There is hope in Mudville. Find out why on this episode of Pushback. you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello and welcome to Pushback. This is Dr. Johnny here and uh, I want to tell you why there is hope in Mudville. Now, of course, Mudville is a term uh, that goes back to a poem written by Ernest Lawrence Fair, and it's called Casey at the Bat, and many many of you are familiar uh, with that. And it's a story of a of a baseball team and pinning all their hopes on Casey, who is coming to bat to see if he can win this for Mudville. One line or phrase from the poem says, "A straggling few got up to go in deep despair because Mudville was losing." The rest clung to that hope, which springs eternal in the human breast. They thought if only Casey could but get a whack at that, we'd put up even money now with Casey at the bat. Now we know that this poem doesn't end out super happy. (laughs) And there's a line that says there is no joy in Mudville. But... I am here to tell you that I believe that there is hope in Mudville. Now, Mudville, I believe, refers to abortion law as it stands currently in our country. It's actually very muddy. And it is quite possible with my background, my medical background, that I could do this podcast. And I would have to excuse the expression, you know, dumb it down a little bit for those who aren't in the medical field to try to uh, speak in, you know, layman's terms regarding medical issues of the day, such as the vaccine or the virus or other medical issues. Um, There is no fear in that (laughs) regarding this podcast today, because I'm going to talk about legal issues and court cases, of which I know very little about. And so I've had to kind of dig in and do my research. So there isn't anything that I'm dumbing down here. This is just what I know (laughs) to the best of my ability. And so hopefully I can explain it to you what's at stake here over the next month, because I believe it's actually monumental. And we as Christians, we as the culture setters need to understand what is happening in our country, because I believe that this is just the beginning of what we've been calling for. When it comes to abortion law and the abortion culture in our country, we have to start someplace. And I believe there is a start that is taking place right now. I'd like to uh, read uh, from an article written out of the University of Cincinnati uh, by Rebecca Durham. And I believe she does a great job of all the things that I read sort of summarizing what's at stake. In the upcoming 2021 October term, that's like next month, people. The Supreme Court of the United States will hear arguments in Dobbs versus Jackson Women Health Organization, a case that has the potential to be one of the most significant abortion rulings of this generation. 
The center of the dispute in Dobbs is a law passed by the state of Mississippi in 2018 that bans abortion after 15 weeks gestation, with a very few limited exceptions. The Mississippi law, titled the Gestational Age Act, conflicts with the current standard recognized by courts for state regulation of abortion. Since the 1992 Supreme Court decision of Planned Parenthood versus, no irony intended, Casey, (laughs) courts have held it to be unconstitutional for a state to ban abortions before the point in a pregnancy where the child becomes, quote, viable, end quote. As Mississippi's 15-week ban appears to be a blatant violation of the viability standard, Dobbs presents a chance for the court to wave a white flag over one of the most polarizing and contentious areas of constitutional law of the last century. So this case is coming up after the Supreme Court takes their summer um, break and they begin their October session. Uh, This is going to become before it. Again, the issue is viability. That has been the law since Roe versus Wade. And and there was a Parenthood versus Casey court that upheld that law, that viability is the current standard uh, uh, by which an abortion could be or could take place. Currently, it's about 24 weeks. The The Mudville part of all of this is that science changes. And we know very well that there have been babies who have been born at 19, 20 weeks that have been viable and have survived. And so that needle moves. And so it doesn't seem to be a great marker anyway. And now this, uh, this law passed by the state of Mississippi is talking about banning abortion at 15 weeks gestation. So that's a change. It's moving the needle in the right direction, not completely where we want it to be, but in the right direction. And it actually challenges the issue of Roe v. Wade and the viability clause. So a little bit of a background. So bear with me here. Abortion has been protected under the label of the constitutional right to privacy since Roe v. Wade in 1973. But the details of of what exactly that right entails has been in flux ever since. It's called Mudville. Roe set up a rigid trimester-based legal system under which the states could regulate abortion to a greater degree with each trimester of a woman's pregnancy. In 1992, the court's decision in Planned Parenthood v. Casey scrapped the trimester framework while reaffirming the central holding of Roe. So obviously they realized that the trimester idea was already antiquated. And so they scrapped it, they changed it, but re-held, uh, but upheld the central holding of Roe of viability. The court held in Casey that before a fetus reaches viability, states may not impose an, quote, undue burden, end quote, on a woman seeking abortion. Roe had characterized it as a part of the right to privacy, which the court described as one of those personal rights that can be deemed fundamental or implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. Casey, however, discussed abortion in the context of a woman's liberty more than privacy. So there's been some evolution that has taken place, and let me sort this out for you, that Roe v. Wade talked initially about a woman's right to privacy The Casey case changed it to more of a liberty issue. And this is almost hard to read, but this is what the ruling actually said, and I quote, At the heart of liberty 
is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Let me pause so I can gag. (laughs) Oh, boy. So that's what the court ruled, that liberty allows in and of itself one's own determination of when life begins, I guess. It's Mudville. (laughs) It's not clear. The waters are very, very muddy. So let's talk about this Dobbs case very specifically. Now, on March 19th, 2018, Mississippi passed the Gestational Age Act. And it says that a physician must, in most cases, determine the probable gestational age of the fetus prior to performing an abortion. And second, it prohibited performing an abortion if the age of the fetus was found to be greater than 15 weeks. And the Supreme Court granted a hearing on this case on one issue, whether all pre-viability prohibitions on elective abortions are unconstitutional. My friends, this is significant. Let me read this again. They are going to entertain the question whether all pre-viability prohibitions on elective abortions are unconstitutional. Very specifically, this Mississippi case, which says 15 weeks, which would go against the viability clause. Is it constitutional? Is it not? That's the question that they're going to be asking, and it's critically important. Now, from what I've read, there are three possible outcomes of this case, and I think it's important for us to understand this so that we can follow along at home, because a lot of this legal stuff makes our heads spin. So because the case and the question presented in Dobbs cut straight to the heart of the standards established in Roe and Casey, the court's ultimate ruling will likely visit the constitutionality of the viability standard. So this is what it comes down to. So the first possibility or the first path that could take place is that the court could reaffirm Roe and Casey. They could review it based on those aspects and even more deeply entrenching the right to abortion and the viability standard in American jurisprudence. That's choice number one. Now, the pundits that I have read claim that this is the least likely option, and that should have us celebrate because that's just keeping things as they are. And they said if the justices had intended to just reaffirm the existing standard, then they would have sort of moved on from this subject and looked at other issues. But the fact that they had to address this issue first shows that they are probably willing to move the needle on this somewhat, which is exciting for those of us who are fighting this, those of us who are looking for hope in Mudville. Now, a second option would be for the court to reaffirm Roe's right to abortion, but set a new standard that depends less on the whims of medical technology and provides more freedom for the states to pass laws aimed at maximizing the health and safety of both mother and child. There's there's a lot of irony in that sentence because if we are at all interested in maximizing the health of a child then abortion should be abolished completely. (laughs) Duh. Some have advocated for the detection of cardiac activity or heartbeat, 
which is the case in Texas currently, to mark the line before which abortion cannot be regulated. If the court chooses this route and creates a new standard, renewed doubt will be cast over the consistency of abortion precedent and Roe will likely be on just as shaky ground as before. This option excites me. We need to and hope that the courts undermine the the murkiness and the muddiness of what the law is currently anyway. And once you start chopping out the precedent of what has taken place over my lifetime, then then Roe versus Wade itself becomes on such teetering ground that a second landmark case could topple it completely. So the third option is that the court could take in deciding Dobbs is to overturn Roe and Casey altogether. Now, such a ruling could take on a variety of different forms, ranging from recognition of a constitutional right to life, yay, all the way to the courts removing itself from the abortion business and sending the issue entirely back to the state legislatures. So this is an interesting option. Now, some would say, and even the author of this article would say, if the court just removed itself, which they predict could be the outcome, that there wouldn't be a whole lot that would change because it would go back to the states And currently, there are 10 states that have what are called trigger bans. There are laws that have been put into effect to ban abortion in that state as soon as the court overturns Roe. But looking at the cup half empty, that means that 40 of the states do not have this ban. And many of the liberally run states with many abortion clinics, nothing would change. And the States that have the trigger ban currently have very few abortion providers as is, and so the numbers may not change dramatically. However, obviously I would take the overturning of Roe versus Wade completely as my number one choice, but I think I would also look at the court turning over the uh, issue back to the states. I would look at that as a victory as well, and let me explain. They think that that's a very big possibility because the court has now turned and has shifted conservatively and they are under a lot of fire for that. And there's been threats about court packing and and changing the rules completely, which makes no sense to me. But the court itself has taken a restrained view of the court's role as judicial activists. And so this could be a statement to the country that a conservative court actually empowers state legislatures and they don't, they don't, they they don't become activists from the bench. So even though we would like them to be activists on our behalf, it's very possible, maybe even probable that they would take the stance of not being an activist at all, which is what Supreme Court judges are supposed to do and haven't over the last several decades. So they could make a powerful statement by simply removing themselves from the abortion debate and sending the issue back to the states as a apolitical type move. And so you may say, well, not much would change, but I I believe that there is hope in that as well, even in a state that leans more democratic and liberal. 
I believe that there is a growing discomfort at the ground grassroots level in our country with the thought of abortion. I really believe that. And I believe that there is a, a, a momentum behind the thought process. And when something is regulated from the top down from Washington, it's hard to even begin to have a discussion, to begin to have a debate, to begin to have a forum about, about the, the, the pros and cons. You, you hopefully have heard my podcast, and I encourage you to go back if this topic inspires you or excites you or or angers you, or all the emotions that go along with the abortion debate. I did a whole series called May the Force Be With You. I encourage you to lean into that uh, podcast series because it gives strategy to what would happen if this debate came back to the states, where all of a sudden we, as citizens, are given a pulpit to once again um, to, to air our views and our passion regarding this subject. And I also uh, had many podcasts about, about the heart of the abortion issue and, and how the, the, we're not looking for politicians to bring change. We're looking for the change to occur in the hearts of the citizenry. And my friends, that's where you and I come in. That's where you and I come in as we sit at a table and discuss this with our friends and family, where we get that that momentum, um, uh, that, that gra grassroot momentum that takes place at a local issue and a local level. There's an article written by Ann Hendershot from Choose Life. And I, I just agree with so much that she says. And she gets to the heart of the issue, the heart of the legal issue that's taking place here that I want to emphasize. She writes, we reject the argument that the ability of women to participate equally in the economic and social life of the nation requires the availability of abortion. It saddens me even to read this because I can't believe this is happening in our nation. And those who have signed on uh, to the argument in Mississippi Quote, many, many studies, including a peer-reviewed study led by a pro-abortion researcher, by a pro-abortion researcher, published in the Journal of Child Psychology and Psychiatry, found that the risk of suicide was three times greater for women who aborted than for women who carry their pregnancy to term. Another peer-reviewed study demonstrated that women whose first pregnancy ended in abortion were 65% more likely to score in the high-risk range for clinical depression than women whose first pregnancies resulted in birth. Even after controlling for age, race, marital status, divorce, income, and education, and pre-pregnancy mental state. My friends, the argument that the ability of women to participate equally in economic and social life of the nation requires the availability of abortion is ludicrous. It's hurtful. It's painful. It creates a culture of death. And I believe fully that the American people are starting to become uncomfortable with the culture of death. Right now, our culture is, is, is th having throngs of people talking about black lives matter, blue lives matter, women's lives matter. What about the unborn lives? and how much they matter. I believe that there's a shift in our culture that sees the value of life. 
I quoted these, these issues about liberty, about women's liberty, and I'm not against women's liberty. Please don't misquote me. But I believe it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in that order. I believe the founding fathers put them in that order because the right to life is the most quintessential right that any American citizen can possess, including those in the womb. I believe that. The writer of this article said that she joined the brief, the, the, those who were writing on behalf of, of Dobbs in this court decision. In nullifying the notion set out in the Roe v. Wade and Casey decisions that women depend on abortion to achieve career success and enriching lives. But she said, more importantly, I joined the brief because I believe, like many of my pro-life friends, that we cannot stand silently by while the laws of our country continue to allow the murder of millions of unborn children in their mother's womb. We are currently sitting under a federal law protecting abortion rights and currently sitting under an administration that is the most pro-abortion administration, I believe, in our nation's history. The House passed a package of spending bills without provisions banning federal funding for abortion in the United States and abroad, making the first time in decades that the restrictions mandated under the Hyde Amendment have not been included. Since 1976, the Hyde Amendment blocked federal Medicaid funding for abortion except for when the mother's life is at stake. Planned Parenthood is celebrating, she writes. They know that the millions the abortion providers spent electing President Biden was money well spent. My friends, if this topic, if this issue becomes overturned and sent back to the states, that I believe that there is hope in Mudville. I believe even in a state like Minnesota, which tends to be more liberal-leaning. I've talked in previous podcasts that ch real change, sociologists have shown that real change actually takes place on the local level. The sociologist James Davidson Hunter suggested in his book, Before the Shooting Begins, that the best way to resolve the conflicts provoked by Roe is through local and regional and state debate. Among people who live and work in relative proximity to each other and who care about their common neighborhoods. This is what makes my heart sing. This is what makes my podcast so important as we learn how to talk about these things because our neighbors are going to begin to ask. And we need to have a compassionate, uh, knowledgeable response for people. And I hope that my podcast in some small way gives you talking points and at the very least gives you a link that you can send to somebody to listen so that we know what's at stake. She writes, living in a democracy and dealing with an issue such as abortion, which has historically divided the country in half, demands that we recover the language of public argument and persuasion. Yes, <laughs> the language of public argument and persuasion. That's what this podcast is all about. That's what makes my heart sing. That's one reason I've been put on this earth is to help you, my listeners, 
recover the language of public argument and persuasion. And there is no greater topic than this topic that is coming before the Supreme Court in one month. Moving this discussion back to the realm of local policy and at the state level, which will happen if the Supreme Court rules in Mississippi's favor, will allow us to debate the politics of abortion as neighbors and friends. As neighbors and friends. The last stanza of Casey at the bat says, Oh, somewhere in this favored land, the sun is shining bright. The band is playing somewhere, and somewhere hearts are light. And somewhere men are laughing. And somewhere children... Sorry? A little emotional. And somewhere hearts are light. And somewhere men are laughing. And somewhere children shout. And the last line, but there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has struck out. I would like to change that last line. And somewhere men are laughing. And somewhere somewhere children shout. But there is hope in Mudville, because Casey is not yet out. That's where I believe we stand today. There is hope in Mudville. My friends, pray. Pray for favor. Pray for this court case. Pray that the, that the, the will of God, the loving will of God, that his presence and his fullness and his providence would be over this ruling and that the needle would begin to move, and it won't stop moving until abortion is banned completely off this great land. I believe the conditions are right, and I believe that we are going to play a huge role in its outcome. So with that as encouragement, let's go together now to set and shape the culture.